This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's Total SF is all about Inside Out. It's a flashback episode, but it's still very timely. Saturday, April 25th, 2020 is our Total SF virtual movie night featuring Inside Out. All in your own home as we shelter in place. We'll have a SF Ruins Pizza pizza making competition. We're building pillow forts. And at 7 p.m., we'll all push play and watch the movie alone together. Our hashtag on Instagram and Twitter is SF Ruins Pizza. More information on our Total SF Project page, www.sfchronicle.com slash totalsf. This episode is from September 28th, 2018. Back when this podcast was the big event, Heather Knight and Audrey Cooper are my guests. Enjoy our tribute to Inside Out. 14, mission two, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event. Welcome, Heather Knight. Good to be back. Yeah, we're here to talk Pixar films, specifically Inside Out. Uh, San Francisco movie, SF Cinema, greatest of all time. We're inducting it. Do you have a favorite moment from the film? Well, it's got to be when Riley and her mom um, go out for pizza just upon moving to San Francisco. Uh, the storefront says it's called Yeast of Eden, but everybody knows it's Arizmendi. And what comes out on the pizza but broccoli? Yeah, I think we have that clip. I'm going to play it now. Hey, I saw a pizza place down the street. Maybe we could try that. Pizza sounds delicious. Pizza? pizza. Yes, pizza. <laughs> That's good. What the heck is that? Who puts broccoli on pizza? That's it. I'm done. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. First the Hawaiians, and now you. So we're going to talk about that, really analyze San Francisco in this film. Um, It's a very emotional film. I think it's one of Pixar's best. We'll give our little rankings, and we'll also talk about Bing Bong. Oh, I love Bing Bong. You love Bing Bong? Bing Bong bugged the crap out of me (laughs) oh no is this gonna be a hard rock cafe dispute no it's not because then he (laughs) saves the day and i totally came around on bing bong love bing bong uh audrey cooper is back editor-in-chief audrey cooper yes last time she was on the show she um got in a fight with us over sister act so we'll see what happens we're not gonna bring that up (laughs) (laughs) we just did we just did uh so it's gonna be a great episode pixar inside out we're your concierge for culture in the bay area i'm peter hartlob and this is the big event Welcome to the big event. Welcome back, Heather Knight and Editor-in-Chief Audrey Cooper. Hello. You get a title. I do have a title. That's true. Do you guys know that, um, so we got the board in back of me where I put all your letters up to make your name. Yes. And Thank bo- you for spelling it right. I did. And I always spell it right because um, you guys, I have both of your letters in little piles. 
Wow, we have our own pile. You have your own pile, and that's kind of like an honor on the big event because I only have so many letters. So I have like a pile of Paolo Lucchese, a pile of Tony Bravo. That one's kind of tricky. Yeah, you're basically on the board every time, <laughs> Heather, these days. And then Audrey, you have your own pile. Yeah, now. you used up all the O's then if you if you put mine to the side. Yeah, so I wanted to just let you guys know that. Um, We're break, flattered. <laughs> break Thank the you. ice a little bit. <laughs> uh, here to talk about Inside Out, I wanted to parents of relatively young children. I wanted two San Franciscans. And uh, Raising Children in San Francisco, this is a movie about raising children in San Francisco. Raising non-California children in San Francisco, which I think is an important distinction, yes. Watching this movie, you guys have young children. What did you think about the accuracy? I thought it was pretty bleak. Um, I rewatched it with my two sons the other day, and they were like, Mommy, everything in San Francisco in this movie looks so gray. And I was like, yeah, I think they're going for that. But I think raising kids in the city is actually a lot more fun and bright. Yeah, when they move into that old Victorian house on the alley, that like probably in real dollars is worth like four million dollars but it looks like you know a haunted house that that, like just irritated me that kid doesn't even know how privileged they are to live in that house we're supposed to live here i'm telling you it smells like something died in here can you die from moving guys you're overreacting nobody is dying a dead mouse Ah! i'm gonna be sick house of the dead what are we gonna do we're gonna get rabies get off my man I live in Alameda, which is basically Mayberry with a little more diversity. So I look at a movie like this and I think it's like confirming my fears if, if I <laughs> raise children here. Um, my son, my younger son, told me the other day, like, we were going to go see a movie. And he's like, I don't want to go to San Francisco. People are so loud there. So, so loud? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You live in a library? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> well, his wife works in a library. <laughs> That's true. But give me a couple. San Francisco, what, what do you like about raising children in San Francisco? I mean, for me, it wasn't even a question when our son was born whether we would stay in the city because my husband and I both grew up in Kansas and like I didn't even know the Goldsteins in our high school were Jewish until I got to high school or took to college like it didn't even occur to me anyone was not a wasp except for the like five black kids who went to our high school so for me the diversity of the city it is so refreshing that I don't even think about the need to have diversity until I leave San Francisco and I really that was the most important thing for me is to raise my son knowing that other people have different perspectives and gosh we sure get that in San Francisco more than any other place I've visited really. Yeah, I agree with that. And also just the street savviness. Already my kids are so much more confident walking around San Francisco than I was when I moved here when I was 22. I just was so freaked out all the time. And they're just so confident riding Muni, riding BART. Um, They can figure their way around the city without me. I don't let them try, but I know they could do it. You know, and this is a good movie to to talk about that because Riley's like walking everywhere. She walked to school the first day. I was like, what what are you doing? That was not realistic. Not realistic. She's only 11. What age is it where you let your kid ride Muni to school by themselves? We're having this debate. I I don't know. I think it's like 18 or something. (laughs) (laughs) I think it depends if it's a local neighborhood line or like the 38 Geary. Um, Well, we'll get into a lot of the San Francisco in this movie. We're inducting it in our uh, SF Cinema Greatest of All Time. And we all agree on this, but let's get it out in the open. There are people who are going to say it's not a San Francisco film or because it's an animated film. uh, We say no. No, that's baloney. If it has the Golden Gate Bridge in it, it is a San Francisco (laughs) film. 
Yes, I loved when they first drove into the city and through the Robin Williams Tunnel and then um, passed by Lombard Street and everybody's honking and the angry guy in her head was like, my people. That was awesome. Well, Inside Out, 2015 film by Pixar's Pete Docter. Um, He's one of the original. He's like employee number six or something. When it was back with uh, George Lucas and they weren't sure if it was going to be a company that made medical imagery, he was one of the early people who came on. Um, really involved with the early movies, directed up, and this movie was supposed to be something different. It changed a lot while he was making it. He had his own anxieties, um, but what I love is that so many of Pixar's films and so many animated films take place uh, in a fictitious city, and this, they decided squarely San Francisco would be part of it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Pixar has movies have San Francisco references in them. I mean, it's pretty, it's almost every movie that I've seen. I can pick out some San Francisco reference, which makes them fun fun to watch as a local. Doctor talked to the Chronicle. He talked to uh, us a couple of times during the making of the movie. And when the movie came out, he said, for Inside Out, we wanted someplace real. We looked out the window toward the San Francisco skyline and realized the research trip would be cheap. <laughs> and, and that's a Pixar thing because I've interviewed them and every time I interview them it's like oh Finding Nemo we went to the Great Barrier Reef <laughs> and, and you know we sent our interns to Scotland and they sent interns not kidding they put them on BART and sent them across <laughs> to take 4,000 photos of San Francisco go to that weird place across <laughs> the water love that doctors from Minnesota and he had visited San Francisco or visited California when he was young felt really alienated so San Francisco you'll notice it's a little bit taller and a little bit thinner than real San Francisco they make the alleys a little bit closer and the dream sequences in Minnesota it's really warm and open and they're really deliberate about um, not just showing San Francisco, but showing this little girl who moved here, her view of San Francisco. I love that part, too, because, I mean, I don't know about you, Heather, but I'm not a native here. When we moved here in 99, I hated San Francisco because I kind of felt like I knew Riley. I was a Midwesterner who came to San Francisco. People did weird things. They they always were happy for some reason I didn't understand. <laughs> they ate weird food and they exercised for fun. And I just thought that was all the weirdest thing in the world until I eventually started eating tofu and going on hikes for fun. So now it's too late. But I totally empathize with Riley. It is It can be a very weird place if you're from somewhere else. And just now navigating your way around. I remember when I moved here, um, also in 99, um, just that feeling that, yes, the the streets are really narrow and the buildings are really high and you're just kind of claustrophobic. And I remember vividly trying to drive around and never remembering which streets were one way. And at one time I turned the wrong way onto a one way and this homeless guy ran out into the street and stopped traffic so I could do a U-turn. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> He's been helpful. He's been helpful. <laughs> that happened to me last week, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it really is a... Um, it's a reflection of the guy who made it. I mean, I think he would tell stories like you're telling right now. And the directors at Pixar, most of them are gregarious. They're really outsized personalities. I actually, I, I like his movies, but I don't love interviewing Pete Docter because he's more reserved. He's the one they actually, when, when they removed Lasseter, he's in charge of Pixar now, has a really good reputation over there, but is kind of a quiet guy. Um, he said he was teased a lot as a kid because he liked to draw and do art, and a lot of that is reflected in this. And then his daughter, Ellie, 
is kind of the inspiration for this. He started writing it and thinking about the story when she was going through a phase where suddenly she was getting moody. The death of Goofy, is it Goofy Island? Goofball yeah, Island. Goofball Island. Goofball yes. Island. Thank you. So um, anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about what worked and what didn't work. Um, obviously, we love this film. What are some of kind of your favorite things about it? Wh- what worked for Inside Out? I really liked that my kids could love it just for the fun kid story, but I think there's a lot to think about as parents, and um, I'm really feeling right now how fast it's going, the childhood of my boys, and it, that really, the movie brings it home how quickly these parts of their lives are disappearing. Yes, and- honesty and family island and my kid <laughs> are starting to crumble, and I can see it happening. <laughs> Uh, and just thinking about what's going on in their heads. And, you know, we try to draw as much out of them as we can every evening. How was school? How was this? How was that? And um, you know that their brains are going a mile a minute and you're only getting a portion of it, <laughs> which is definitely reflected in this movie. Yeah, I think, you know, what worked for me, I mean, what a clever idea. I just, I, I, I'm one of those people, I love anything with an original idea. And I thought it was completely an original idea from start to finish. I mean, they thought about it wasn't just a hook to get you into it it was really a fully thought out development of what happens in people's brains and I just I thought that everything from you know the imaginary friend to going into the like where they all become two-dimensional and then abstract and like whatever I mean it's just so clever my my kid doesn't get that but I just think it's incredibly intellectual for a cartoon and yeah. um, it was very vivid to me, those balls that represent memories, and they would disappear forever, even really important memories that the parents would think they would hold on to forever. And I know that's happening, too, where you um, work so hard to give your kids these great memories, and they're not going to remember like yeah. so Yeah, or the memories it. are different than what actually happened. Or you get those things, the commercials stuck in your head. The song from the gum commercial. You know, sometimes we send that one up to headquarters for no reason. plays in Riley's head over and over again, like a million times. Let's watch it again. We all know the song. Okay, yeah, real kids. What do you think? Should we do it? Yeah. Okay, here we go. From like yeah. for Riley, it's that gum commercial for me. It's called three two nine two two seven seven anytime night or day. <laughs> I don't even know what it's for, but it's a commercial that's in my head. Uh, now it's playing. How about cars head. for kids? Yeah, I, that was going cars through my mind. Uh, little aside, I I insult cars for kids regularly on social media, and every time I do, the uh, social media people respond as if I've complimented them. <laughs> hey, thanks for checking us out. We have a new ad coming out next week. I'm like, no. And it's the same ad as it's always been. Same as it's always been. I, I love that the, um, I love with this movie, I see so many of these animated films, and they're not kid films. I mean, a lot of them, Brad Bird, that's a way to get him upset. The guy who made Incredibles is call it a kid film. But so many of them have the same moral, like be true to your friends. And it's kind of really simplified or they have no moral at all. It's just we're going to show you a bunch of action and keep your kid occupied for 90 minutes. And there's emptiness at the end. And this just builds to, you know, these complex thoughts. They worked with UC Berkeley psychologists, including Paul Ekman, um, actually researching to make sure this was accurate. And then the central message at the end that it's okay to be sad. And it, it builds up and it foreshadows it, but it doesn't foreshadow it in a way that it becomes obvious. It hits you like a hammer. Oh, she needs to be sad. Mm-hmm. She needs to convey her real emotions if she's going to feel better. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I liked it. We, I watched it with my kids. They're a little bit older than your kids. And I was having discussions with them after it. And it was just super nice film. It's a great film to revisit, too. Uh, San Francisco stuff. What did we like about the San Francisco stuff? I mean, uh, uh, Heather already mentioned this, but the bro- San Francisco ruining pizza by putting <laughs> broccoli on it is so accurate. so accurate. Like, enough with the weird crap on pizza, San Francisco. I'm tired of it. I'm going to put my foot down. Yeah. Bring back the pepperoni. Yeah. <laughs> Arizmendi, we decided that's Arizmendi. I like Arizmendi for baked goods, but I do not go there for my pizza. I lived in Oakland when they opened up in Oakland, and my kid was like four. And I remember that, like getting Arizmendi and thinking, well, there's nothing my kid's going to eat here. But my wife and I loved it. So you know, the other thing about it, the, the other thing about the San Francisco angle is she moves into, I guess it's supposed to be Russian Hill. To me, it always looked like this alley on in Chinatown. Actually, that we, my family, when I was pregnant, we looked at a house there, and it, I swear it's the same mm. house. But I, I feel like it was. Sp- Specific enough to our architecture, but generic enough that it could be a lot of different neighborhoods. Yeah. Still a four million dollar house, so I think they should be less bummed out. But yeah, uh, I, I like to the subtleties um, as you watch this film. I when I watch films, I have something called the lasagna effect, where even from the point that I leave the film to when I read the review, sometimes it's coalesced in a different way, and sometimes films kind of taste better on the second or third viewing. Inside Out is like a great lasagna film. I mean, I watched it for the fourth or fifth time the other night, and I'm catching subtle things that I just love that I didn't catch the first time. A lot of them doing with San Francisco. The road signs, you'll notice there are road signs everywhere. Like every block you go, there's a road sign that says, don't go left, don't go backwards, (laughs) don't go right. You know, it's just the total frustrating maze that is San Francisco. I love like under their breath, while there's another conversation going on, you have the mother saying, so as it turns out, the green trash cans, not for recycling, it's for greens, and the blue ones for recycling, and the black ones for, and I just think like, that's something I never would have noticed the first time. It's this background thing, but um, this movie gets all the little background San Francisco things right, right, too. It would be a little bit different if it would was made now, because when she tries to run away from the Trans Bay, I assumed it was the Trans Bay Terminal, um, it was the old version, yeah. and now you'd have this beautiful park and maybe she'd ride the gondola up <laughs> yeah really she might go <laughs> she might just live there like uh, tom hanks and uh, what, what was the movie where he's in the airport I, oh yeah what was that called i don't know I we could spend 10 minutes trying to find it um so anything else that worked anything else you liked i just loved the whole thing um i loved it the first time watched it again the other night and liked it just as well yeah. I, I had an imaginary friend and um, so I love that we like embraced imaginary friends for what they are you know I, I did was, too yeah I was gonna leave Bing Bong till later but <laughs> oh, you have to let's talk about Bing Bong now he bugged me so much <laughs> when I first he saw was the him. Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> the Jar Jar Binks. and I remember watching trailers of the film or, or seeing a toy or something and I saw this thing and I'm like what are they doing and then they play that it's like this bing is bong, something bing I, bong. <laughs> who's your friend who likes to play who's your friend who likes to play his rocket makes you yell hooray Who's the best in every way and wants to sing a song to say? Who's your friend who likes to play? Bing bong, bing bong, this rock makes you yell the rain. 
they make him super annoying and it just reinforced that with me and i remember kind of just i wasn't seething but i was i think i watched it at pixar at a screening there and i was getting more and more frustrated like why is this dumb character in the film and then he flips around and he like saves the day martyr he made me cry yeah, he made me cry the first time, like actual crying, and then I totally welled up again the second time, even yeah. though I knew what was coming. Yeah, I, I thought it was irritating, though, that he was like part snuffleupagus. <laughs> like that that really bugged me. It's like if you're going to have an imaginary friend, don't copy the imaginary friends that are already out there. But yeah, but he was purple, so I guess it's different. <laughs> I like that he cried candy. Yeah. So Bing Bong, um, RIP Bing Bong. Uh one last thing, I thought the the location scouting. I think of location scouting for a movie like Vertigo or a movie like Dirty Harry as movies that just capture San Francisco in a great way. They come in through the Robin Williams tunnel and see San Francisco and it's it, it captures the emotion of the first time you see the Golden Gate Bridge and then get into the city. I don't quite understand how they got from there to the ferry building no, right away. Sense. And then back to Lombard. And then back to Lombard. Also, this is very picky, but that view of the bridge coming into focus when you go through the tunnel, the bridge came the wrong way. It oh, it comes, did? Yeah, it swoops in from the left in real life, and they had it coming from the right. I don't think we know it yet, but we've jumped into the criticisms. <laughs> <laughs> criticisms of Inside Out. That. That. <laughs> I mean, y- you pointed this out, but there's no ice skating rink that I know of in the Presidio. Our only ice skating rink is in Yerba Buena, right? Which is probably not the prettiest place to look at it. The other thing, and th- you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but kid movies whose voices are done only by very recognizable actors drive me insane because the whole time if I don't know it's that actor I'm trying to figure out who it is in my head yeah and I just find it so distracting like the bing bong guy I still now I, I looked it up and then I forgot it again like the whole time I'm like who Richard is Kind. That? Richard who is Kind. That? Yeah. yeah I just I I don't know it bugs me my husband thinks it's weird but I didn't mind it. Lewis Black was a great character to be the angry guy because that's basically him. I'm with you, Audrey. Even last night, I had forgotten it was Amy Poehler. Now, luckily, when I'm on my couch, I can look it up. But when you're in a theater, it's like I've left. I've been in an animated film. Probably this happens about half the time. And I have gotten that frustration and then ended up walking out and going into the hallway and looking up and going, oh, Phyllis from The Office. <laughs> yes. I Well, you know, it's so... It's so irritating to me because, like, are there not enough voice actors in L.A. that we have to find the most expensive voice actors? I just, I, I don't, I don't see what the benefit of it is. Also, I, I've never heard anyone say I have to go see this cartoon because Amy Poehler's voice is in it. Like, I don't, yeah. you know. That's my problem with Toy Story too. Incidentally, is like they're so recognizable. All I see is Tom Hanks. Yeah, which. Maybe is what they were going for. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple little insider Pixar things. They're totally unrelated, but I've got a Tom Hanks. That is his voice in Toy Story. In all of the toys, all of the video games, it is not Tom Hanks. He has a brother who sounds exactly like him who does stories for Leapfrog. Really? I've been trying to get them. Pixar does not want to talk about it, but I've tried to get that. Well, you know, that's super interesting because two weeks ago we went to Disneyland, and on Pixar Pier, 
all of the voices, they kind of sound like the characters, but it is not actually Ellen DeGeneres talking to you in the line for the Ferris wheel. And it it makes it even more annoying because it's like, really? You couldn't, like, you're making everybody listen to it in line. You couldn't get the real thing. Yeah, that's that's the secret. Another thing, um, they use a lot of their own voices. And what they do is when they're testing the film, they use their own voices. And then usually they come in and have someone replace it. But at Pixar, a lot of times they won't have someone replace it. They'll have just this animator who had been doing the voice continue to do the voice. So when you go in Pixar films, usually there's a few of those. Um, and final one little smart guy thing I'm gonna throw out Take here. It. You mentioned the ro- the ice skating rink in Presidio. It's actually in the same spot as the Walt Disney Family Museum. And that's one of their little Easter eggs that they wanted to pay a little tribute to the oh. Walt Disney Family Museum, which has a lot of tie-ins with Pixar. So that's why the ice skating rink is there. Not saying it's right, but that's why it's there. Hmm. I mean, it didn't keep me up at night, but I would have never got that. And like, we we know the city pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like the Brazilian helicopter pilot. What? (laughs) I I just thought that was easy. I don't think it was meant for you, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) We liked it. No, I mean, like, I thought it was funny. And I, I just thought it was kind of a easy laugh in a film with a, you know, tell me I'm wrong. I like the scenes in the adult's heads, especially the teacher, where she's like, how many more days till vacation? Yeah, that's what happens in women's head. (laughs) You tune us out and we tune you out. That family dinner where you can see inside the mom's head and the dad's head, I was like, so accurate. (laughs) Yeah, what did he have? It was like a sports center set in his. (laughs) You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well. Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. (laughs) (laughs) I, I thought it got draggy in the middle a little bit the first time I watched it, and it doesn't bother me as much now, but I remember coming out of it. That's kind of the pre lasagna effect. I actually think I might not have given it a clapping guy out of the chair. It might have gotten a little man too. And then by the end of the year, when I had seen it three times, it was like number four or number five in my top 10. Hmm. But I remember thinking the middle part was a little bit draggy when when they're getting out of San Francisco and out of that little control center and wandering through yeah, that I maze. I, I thought that was kind of the weaker part. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. But it's nitpicking. This is a great film. Yeah. Well, I also, like, I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I saw it the first time. So I think when something like that happens with the movie that you're already trying to wrap your head around, it can be kind of draggy, as you say. Yeah. And I think also when you watch a bunch of especially animated films or films that are aimed toward a younger crowd and you're used to seeing the same story beats and someone switches it around, it kind of throws you off. So... Yeah. I mean, I will say, so my son is six now and he's seen it approximately 30 times probably, (laughs) which is actually on the low end of all of the movies that we own that we've seen. But like he won't ask for this movie. And I think it's because it's a fine thing to keep a kid entertained once, but there is so much subtlety and plot and nuance in it that I think it's not it's not something he goes back to as a go to movie. Yeah, I I think you're right, and I think Pixar, you can kind of see it in their films where they made the film they wanted to make, 
And like with Up, it's like, oh, we made the film we wanted to make. This is going to bore kids. Let's throw in a giant bird and have it run around with the talking dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, you, totally. I, I think they didn't have enough of the bird and the talking dogs in this film, which is fine for the film, but maybe the kids are going to be a little more bored. Yeah. So ranking Inside Out, uh, where does it rank? Just give me, if you have like a rankings of your top three or top five Pixar films. I'm, you're not going to like mine. I just know because they're controversial except in the the cooper household and that would be number one finding dory it also has a lot of good northern california references <laughs> yes. to it um but definitely finding dory is number one i would say planes two oh, <laughs> is <no>. my second <laughs> no. what? come on how can you not like it there's forest fires there's yosemite it's like it's like fire season in the newsroom except on you know in a cartoon there was a planes two are you kidding? I, me? I write the reviews for the Chronicle, and I didn't you know there was a the plane. You watched the fourth Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh my gosh! Plane. You've seen My Little Pony movies, but not planes I too. I did not see. I must have been sick that week. What are you doing Friday night, Peter? You oh can come God. over to my God. house. Planes too. Okay. Planes too. Coco, and Inside Out. Those are my top four. I don't know where Planes Two came from. <laughs> I will defend, I loved Finding Dory. I gave it the highest rating. I thought it was a lot like Inside Out that had a lot of smart little subtleties to it with all the kind of differently abled creatures and how it tied in. That, that was a fantastic film. Coco, loved it. Coco was great. My kid doesn't like Coco though. Why not? I think it's a little scary and I think it's also just like too abstract. The it's idea of like, yeah, it's a pretty heavy movie. So. Yeah. It's my, I make him watch it and he screams and then he like <laughs> settles down and eats popcorn, but not a favorite of his. Okay. I have to tell you a funny Finding Dory story. So I took both the boys. The older one was totally into it. The younger one hated it because he didn't realize it was all underwater, so there were no buses, trains, <laughs> or vehicles of any kind. And the whole time he's like, when can we go? When can we go? <laughs> and then towards the end he says really loudly so the whole theater can hear, okay, she found her family. Can we go home now? <laughs> this is your son who has memorized muni every Muni line. Mm-hmm. Every Fish muni are line not his thing. That's great. So Audrey, well, he might like planes too. <laughs> oh yes, he did, and all the cars. My favorites are Coco, Finding Nemo, way better than Finding Dory, and then Inside Out. No, wrong. <laughs> okay, Coco, Finding Dory, Inside Out. That's 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 good. I like that. I'm still thrown off by planes too. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's I, great. I can't even maintain focus. I'm thinking of just editing it out of the podcast. <laughs> no, you have to leave it in there. All aircraft. It is a California movie. It is about wildfires. <laughs> it is an important message that our kids need to know. Don't start fire- fires. Okay. Climate right. change is bad. I don't even think it's a Pixar film. I think it's like Disney straight to video animation. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> it's, it's like the knockoff of Cars 3 yeah. in planes. So, Heather, I don't think you named a number one. What was your number one in that trio? Probably Coco. I loved Coco. Um, but I think that Finding Nemo and Inside Out are all great. Neck and neck. 
I feel like all those films, like people will watch them 50 years from now and still find things in them and talk about them and stuff like that. And and there aren't that many films aimed at families, PG or G rated, that you can say that about right now. So good picks. Yeah. Ratatouille, people. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a critic and it. it's it's about art and finding art. It, it associates with what we do and there's a great romance in it. My kids were really bored in that movie. Yeah, mine was too. See, this is the difference because my kids are a little older, so it's all about me. It's like, what's going to entertain me? And I'm like, Theo, get off your phone and watch Ratatouille with me. And you're about just surviving through the night and watching something that's going to entertain your kid. Ratatouille. I think Ratatouille, that's probably my number one. Really? Yeah. Love Ratatouille. I think it's funny. It's got this statement about art. I love the critic based on Michael Bauer. It's got to be <laughs> Anton Ego, based on Michael Bauer. He's much nicer than Michael Bauer. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. It's not true. Not true. Um, and then number two, Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 like came out of nowhere. No, you're shaking your head? No, I, I just can't get over the whole voice thing. They all seem the same. I can't differentiate them. No. So it's not the fact that they're going to a like concentration camp at the end <laughs> at the, the dump there now? Yeah, no, that seems like an uplifting movie for children. No, I well, I loved Toy Story 3. I thought it was a great way. I, wa- I went into it thinking, why did they make this movie? And I went out just thinking it was so clever and such a great way to continue the story and a great ending for the series, which I'm really scared because they're making a Toy Story 4. Oh, they are? Yeah. And Inside Out might be my number three. I got a bunch clustered around there, Coco, Inside Out. I got to wait for lasagna effect to end on Coco <laughs> before I properly rate it. But um, Well, after Friday night, when you come over and have popcorn with us, Planes 2 will planes be on your two. list. <laughs> okay. SF Films, um, Inside Out, where we, we kind of tier these things, top tier we have different opinions, but um, we're not going to yeah, get Yeah, some it. of them are wrong. We're, we're, we're not going to get in that fight, Audrey. But um, I put like Vertigo right at the top. I like Dirty Harry at the top. Star Trek Four is right around there, but I'm a geek. I think this is pretty close. I think this is like a 1B, not a 1A, but I could see 10 or 15 years from now having it in that very top tier. It was in my top three. For sure. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely top tier. Yeah. What are what are your top tiers? It's going to change probably from the last time I said this, but I think I said before, So I Married an Axe Murderer oh, yeah. was definitely on we there. We still have to do that one. Yes. Yeah. Greatest of all time. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's up there. I want to save So I Married an Axe Murderer and do it in front of a crowd because that's like the super underrated film. We didn't give it a super great review. I don't think a lot of people did. All I hear is how bad our track record is on these yeah. movies sometimes. I, f- <laughs> I found another, this is this is a podcast of many detours and tangents. I found another empty chair that I just thought was inexplicable. I collect these like baseball For like cards. Gone with the Wind? No, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but uh, w- you know about American Graffiti, empty chair, Caddyshack, empty chair. Clint Eastwood's play Misty for me. Oh my gosh, really? What could you, I mean, I could see where you're bored and like the critics are just, I'm just going to give it a sitting man because this was too long, but it was a good movie. Who gives out an empty chair? Whoever that guy was. Yeah. So anyway. um, All right. So I think we've agreed this is top tier or close to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Inside out. I'm so happy that we all agree on this. I thought this might be (laughs) kind of an argument. Yeah. And we needed... We needed unity on this until the Planes <laughs> 2 to, thing came up. <laughs> we had to come together so we can go back apart. 
So thank you very much for coming. Um, I want to finish off by saying, please subscribe to the Chronicle. Heather, total SF. We just started this project. <laughs> um, you're much better at putting it into one or two sentences. We had a meeting with the publisher and I put it in like 48 sentences. <laughs> so total SF. Can you tell us about this project? Uh, sure. I write about um, what's so bad about San Francisco pretty much twice a week, but sometimes it's fun to remember what's so great about the city. And so Peter and I are teaming up to do an occasional event series where we'll be doing fun stuff. Maybe this So I Married an Axe Murderer movie screening idea should be a part of it, throwing yeah. it out there. But um, we will do fun things uh, about once a month or so, so stay tuned. Yeah, and we just want to get out and talk to people. And I found we rode the muni buses. We got to mention it at least once every podcast. But, um, that really was a transform. You guys are going to be 80 years old. <laughs> remember, remember that remember time when we rode the buses? But it'll sound unbelievable. Like, we walked uphill both ways in the snow. Yeah, and I got to say, riding the total muni buses has replaced I used to be a chronicle paper boy. So, you know, we move on. But anyway, we, we had a lot of great connections on that. And um, I found talking to people who read our stuff it really it didn't just shape the way I look at San Francisco but shaped the way I kind of approach my beat so we want more of that um, total SF and thank you very much for coming both of you inside out thank you thanks for having us yeah and see you Friday night yes yeah, <laughs> planes too night, planes too <laughs> thanks again uh, sorry we never do this I'm breaking every podcasting law but we turned off the mixing board. We're ready to go our separate ways. And then I looked up on a whim. I reviewed Planes 2, <laughs> Planes Fire and Rescue. I gave it a sitting guy. See? Maybe we should And you didn't even think it. it was ever made. Yeah. Uh, so I apologize to Planes 2. <laughs> I apologize to Dusty and... Dusty Crophopper. Dusty Crophopper gets my formal apology. Uh, I reviewed Planes 2, and I didn't even give it a bad review. Audrey, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, that's okay. That's I, why I'm in charge here. <laughs> thank God. You deserve to be made fun of a little bit, but not as much as I did. So thank you for listening to the big event, and uh, thank you both for coming. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guests, Heather Knight and Audrey Cooper. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album, Community. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.